The lesson is love. The lesson is la 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 love. The lesson is love. We are a whole mind, body, soul beings. And so to just do therapy with the frontal part of the brain uh, is doing the, the rest of the body a disservice. It's doing the rest of your healing process a disservice. And not saying that for some people, traditional talk therapy might be their thing. And I love it for you. And our bodies hold so much valuable information as well. And I think it's important to acknowledge the messages that our bodies hold too. The lesson is la 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 love. The lesson is love. Welcome to the Lesson is Love podcast, where my guests are creative, inspiring change makers. I see these conversations as a brave practice of learning out loud and relating to all beings as beloved kin. Every time a person witnesses another with empathy, we shape our species a little bit closer to the best case scenario, universal fluency in life's most nourishing skill, unconditional love. I'm Grisha Stewart, best known for developing behavior adjustment training, BAT, which gives dogs with trauma or neglect histories an opportunity to safely open to connection. I'm also the founder of the Grisha Stewart Academy, a collaborative online dog school. Our global experts teach professional dog trainers and the curious public how to nurture healthy community with dogs. As an embodied human, I'm also a dog mom, wife, daughter, widow, stepmother, aunt, friend, musician, and always, always a student. Hey everybody, Diane here. I'm here to introduce the guest for this episode, Damon Silas. Damon Silas is a clinical psychologist published author of two books, a speaker, an educator, and an expert on tapping. In this episode, Grisha and Damon talk about what brings them joy, the importance of exploring the role our bodies play in healing, honoring our somatic experiences and integrating body connection into our healing and therapeutic practices, and the power of remembering, learning and teaching new ways of navigating harm, healing, and relating in our relationships with ourselves and within our collective communities. Damon also leads us through a guided tapping session. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Damon, thank you so much for being here. I'm thrilled to have you on the podcast. I, I adore your work. I appreciate you being here and taking the time to be with us. Uh, thank you so much, Grisha. I am excited and thrilled and honored to uh, be along on this journey with you and your listeners today. I'd like to start off with what brought you joy today? Oh, what brought me joy today? Uh, well, I actually work with children. And so just being around their energy, their playfulness, their innocence, um, their curiosity, uh, every day they bring me joy and they crack me up the things that they say. So yeah, that's definitely one of the things that brought me joy today. Mm, paint us a picture. Sure. Oh gosh. Well, two things kind of stand out. So I hope you don't mind me sharing two different scenarios. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> but the first scenario, there was a young boy. I work with kids up to five years old. So pretty much three to five and then 10 and up. 
So I kind of uh, do a morning shift with the younger kids and then the afternoon shift with the older kids. But in the morning, this three-year-old, when he gets angry, he hits. And so we've been teaching him, you know, that it's not okay to hit. But what we can do is this, this, and that, right? So every time he hits and I catch him doing it, I'll let him know, like, what we don't do with our hands is this, but what we can do with our hands and our anger is this. And so he hit actually the teacher and the teacher spoke to him. And then afterwards he came over to me and, oh, I didn't, I didn't expect to cry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I oh. There's absolutely no need for, for apologizing for crying. In fact, I consider it a win if people are in their feelings enough for either of us to cry. So <laughs> thank you. And that happens all the time when I tell my mom these stories or, or anybody really. Yeah, it just brings just tears of, of uh, gratitude and love and, and just so thankful to be a part of their experience. So yeah, that being said, he came over to me and he just looked, you know, like kids sometimes look after they get in trouble. And I was sitting down on the ground at that point and he just came over and gave me the biggest hug. And just held on to me. And I said, you know, you're still learning. It's okay. And, you know, and again, you know, I kind of repeated, but I said, it's okay. You know, and just reassured him that as he's learning what to do with all these big emotions, like he's, he'll do things that might hurt people. And, and we learn from those things. And so I thought it was just a beautiful moment of connection with this, this little kid. Mm. I mean, I can so resonate in times of like, you know, my behavior not being what I want it to be, or, you know, finding out my behavior is harming, right. And having Mm -hmm. this sense of like, like wanting to reconnect and say like this part of us that, you know, we all have this need for belonging and to say like, do you still love me? Like, am I still, you know, in this community? Am I still in this relationship? And or or you know, whatever it might be. And that that boy just knew like how to ask and who to ask for like that reassurance. And I'm so glad you were able to give that to him. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> ah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And like you said, I mean, that's all we want. Like when we because we all make mistakes and we all mess up. And even after getting in trouble, we just want to know that we're still lovable and we're still worthy and we're still accepted for who we are, even in those moments. So, yeah. You know, just like the little boy, right. Who like, he had a need to express something, right. That's probably why he hit, he was angry about something. He didn't know how to ask for what he needed in that way, or he had some other right behavior that worked in the past mm-hmm. and we tried the hitting, right? And so when that sort of is thwarted and said, no, this is actually, this harms someone else, right? Be considerate of this other person. The way that it's often done in society is someone might've told him he's a bad child, right? For doing this, it's kind of like bad dog, right? As a dog trainer, we hear that people do that all the time and say, you know, bad dog for doing this. And it's like, all it is, is that he, he's a learner. Like he learned, this is a strategy that works. And, you know, and what you're teaching him is actually, there's this other way 
there doesn't have to be shame in learning. So that's where we go to, right? But this this sort of yep. reconnection, I'm going to loop it back to me because this is something that's really alive in our community right now. We're hosting like a big social justice webinar. There's research that we sponsored on finding out what is the experience for Black, Indigenous, and people of the global majority in the dog training industry. And so that webinar is coming up. And so there are a lot of white people who are probably also listening that are grappling with this notion that there has been a lot of harm done within our industry. It's not just in the outside world, and it's not Mm -hmm. just by people who are overtly racist, right? It's systemic. It is part of the fabric of how people have learned to interact with one another and themselves. And so Mm -hmm. that, you know, that shame piece is kind of what can lead to just more hitting, right? But that sort of like, right? But then, you know, this this example of the boy who's like, okay, did this thing, it was harmful. And like, you can see clearly like, okay, I've learned, I'm going to try something different. And and I still, I'm still part of this, right? I'm not kicked out. (laughs) Because like a lot of backlash comes from, you know, like people thinking that they're not, if they've made a mistake, that that means that they're bad. Right, right. Yep. Exactly. And it's shifting that narrative, right? And it's really just recognizing, you know, the humanity of of us all and and that we have moments. And he had a moment, right? And that doesn't mean he's a bad child. It means he made a decision, right? And we have moments. Dogs have moments. Yeah. Right, right. And and their moments are a lot different time-wise than our moments, right? I mean, just in the scheme of things, our year is their seven years. So their moments are even smaller for them. And so just allowing them to have those moments without judging them solely on those behaviors, but also saying like, and we can restore this, right? So when he gave, the child gave me a hug today, I said, I think the teacher might like a soft touch. (laughs) right and so planting those seeds of instead of this maybe we can try something different next time and you're not going to get it right 100% of the time and that's okay but you know there will be other opportunities to try it again and again and again until we get it until it clicks Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and that restoring part is yeah I'll just double down on highlighting that of saying you know, recognizing, okay, the teacher, so given that the harm was done, right, and so similarly in our community, if I've, if I've done something, circling back and, and not just saying, yes, I did the harm, but saying, and what needs to be done for you to feel safe again, or for that harm to, to, you know, where do we shift from here, and then, you know, restoring that justice, not just, like, moving on. That's right. Putting things under a giant rug. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And so you said you had two things that brought you joy today. Oh, yeah. Well, the other one is a 10-year-old child that I was working with. And he asked me, he invited me to look outside. And he said, look outside. And what do you see? And he said, what do you see? Like, this is a, a child ask, and I knew he was asking me, like, not tell me I see trees and this and that. Like, tell me, what do you see? Like, what do you perceive? Mm-hmm. And he actually said, let's go outside. 
And he took me outside and he, it started becoming a little bit windy. And he said, I love the wind. I love the wind. I feel one with the wind. And I was thinking, this is a, a child, like showing such wisdom in connecting with nature and connecting with all that is interconnected. And that's exactly what he said. He said, I am connected to the tree and the wind and this and that. And like, I was just blown away. And then he starts running in the wind and, and, you know, just running around the space outside. And when he completed that, I said, what was that like? What did that feel like? And he said, me. I said, wow. It felt like me. Like he said, me and the wind were one. Oh, and, oh I, yeah. <laughs> the education system has such a an opportunity to nourish understanding, you know, and bringing all of those children together. There's so many perspectives, and there's so much wisdom. And we tend to try to fill people's, you know, little kids' minds with things versus, you know, kindling the fire, as it were. Yeah. And, yep. uh, yeah. It's taken me a long time to get back to that pers- perspective. I am one. A lot of people. us. You're not alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My parents were kind of back to landers. We had, you know, van life before van life was cool. Uh, or when it was cool and then stopped being cool, like I suppose in the middle. And like, I spent my whole, you know, childhood fitting into the box of like excelling at school because school is like safe. There were, you know, problems at home and whatnot, but, or, and going into the sort of religion of science, which I love science. I appreciate it. It is useful in, in so many ways of, of seeing things through that lens, but, or, and, recognizing that there is all this other wisdom that is in my body, in my lineage. There's just so much more to the world. Mm, Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There's this fear of like that this child doesn't have, or I'll just say from my own perspective of like, if I'm not only sciencey, right. That it's sort of like, well, that's outside of the realm of normal. And so, you know, we'll just isolate you over here. It's like, I appreciate now as the world's kind of opening up to alternate viewpoints that like, you know, my Celtic ancestry of like, we had ceremony, we had like ways of knowing, and there's so much that's been shut down, you know, by colonialism, by just this concept of fitting in versus belonging. Yep. Yeah. So what are your practices to nourish joy? That's a great question. I have several and I'll kind of go through, well, I have a practice daily. So daily I wake up and immediately meditate and that just brings a sense of calm and peace to me and centering really. And then I'll do my tapping. And so I'll tap through all my different acupressure points. And again, that helps to recenter me. And then I go into my yoga and stretching and things of that nature, followed by journaling. And those all bring me joy daily, but also, or I should say, and also a little bit of reading, 
And music. I have to have some music, especially in the morning time and especially on my ride into work. But those are the things that I do to really cultivate a sense of joy in my life daily. And the tapping thing was one of the reasons that I invited you on here, Damon. Tapping is part of my morning routine as well. Yes. Yeah, I love it. And my husband also loves it, which is great because he was the, you know, the child running in the wind, wishing he was outside. And so like Uh getting to sit for meditation is not a thing. So walking meditation, but also tapping now is like, it's his jam and I love it as well. Oh, that's awesome. I love hearing that. Yeah. And so could you tell the folks listening who might not be familiar with tapping what it is? Sure. So tapping is a technique that um, has kind of come to be around, oh gosh, late 90s, early 2000s. People out there may have heard it called EFT or emotional freedom techniques. And basically what you do is you stimulate different acupressure points just by lightly tapping on these different acupressure points with your fingertips. And while you're doing that, you can state something that might be bothering you or upsetting you, but you could also not say anything at all while you're doing this, because that's actually what I do in the morning time. Um, I'll just tap through the points. And then what this does is it sends a calming signal to your brain to let that part of the brain that usually is going off like (laughs) in what's the word I'm looking for? Well, it just goes off like very frequently for so many people, the fight, flight, or freeze part of our brain that always like leads to just feeling like you're rushing into work or you you can't relax. You know, you always have to respond to these perceived threats in your environment. And it sends that signal to that part of the brain that's in overload for, for so many people And it just tells it, it's okay to chill and it's safe right now. Like you're okay right now. It's safe right now. And it brings that sense of calm, not only to that part of your brain, but to your body. And it's just a beautiful way of healing and being present. Yeah, I think that being present part is so key it's like to me i think the reason it it works is it's like i'm digging into you know maybe something in the past or something that part of me believes and then i'm the tapping is constantly bringing me back to the present moment and the embodied sense and so it's like this flicker back and forth between the place where things are stored and maybe a little bit stuck and then this current moment And then there's this like reframe usually right into, well, part of me believes this, or, you know, this is the worst case scenario. And then, oh, but also this is also true. And kind of holding those two things, there's a memory reconsolidation that happens because it's like you're calm. And then you're looking at these two things that have a parent paradox, and then it just like magically integrates. (laughs) Yes. Sound about right. Feel free to pick that apart if that doesn't sound. Yeah, it's all of that. So, and I think I was saying, as you reference, like 
you know, you start off by acknowledging whatever it is that's bothering you, but you all, you then end it off by saying, and I'm okay, or I choose peace, or I'm open to being a little bit more compassionate with myself, or I'm open to finding connections that I don't didn't even know existed between the past and now. And I think about like, even with kids, for instance, like what we were talking about earlier, if I were to make a statement for that child who hit this the teacher, it would be even though I hit the teacher and I felt like a bad kid in that moment, I'm still a, a good kid, right? Like so, mm-hmm. that's kind of the the juxtaposition of the the wording is like even though I feel this, I'm still okay. I'm still a good person. I'm still lovable. I'm still worthy. Whatever it is. And, you know, some things might bring up some emotions for people and that's just information. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of this work is even if things feel like they're being brought up as you do it, you just follow that, that trail until you get to the root. So it's, it's really fascinating technique and something that I, I happen to stumble upon when I was doing a lot of trauma work with folks. So it's really powerful. Yeah. It really is. And I just got this visual of, I've been sort of pondering this metaphor recently of we have habits or thought patterns or whatever that if you look at it from one perspective, it's just a circle, right? We're just circling and looping on the same things. But Mm -hmm. if somehow like you can shift something or look from a different perspective, it's actually a spiral. Like we can't help but learn as humans. And, And I think this this process is sort of, it allows it to be a spiral because you start with one place, you know, with the the limiting beliefs or whatever it might be. And then like literally sort of practice, you know, like as you loop around your body, like there's this, like it doesn't end where it started. No, never. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. So if at some point in this, either now or later, you're up for doing a little tapping, um, I would love a guided tapping uh, for folks. Sure, sure. And what I'd like to say before I get into it is, you know, for people who may not be familiar with what tapping is, just trying it and seeing, and it is important if you have never had experience, if you can access, whether it's, you know, an app or a video online, or even a practitioner who actually practices it. Because when we are in connection with other people, we actually can discover and make deeper connections, not only with that person as we're doing the work, but with ourselves and what we discover about ourselves and our pasts and start to make more connections in that way. But overall, it's powerful whether you're with somebody or you're doing it on your own. Mm -hmm. So I use the Tapping Solution app and I also saw that your Movement Genius has tapping in it. Is that correct? Yeah, Tapping Solution is a wonderful app. It's very thorough. You can tap on so many different issues. And that's the beauty of tapping too, is you you can tap on things like stress and anxiety and or sadness. You can tap on money-related issues, health-related issues. I mean, it, it runs the gamut of, you know, everything. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's like that Frank's Red Hot where you can really try it on everything. And it like, it works. (laughs) It's like my husband and mustard. People also use it for dogs. Like, so I think some people tap on the dog, but even just tapping sort of on behalf of the dog 
And I've done that. And there are places that I know the dog is stuck because I'm actually stuck. And so by, by tapping on behalf of my dog, it actually works also. And I know there are some folks out there who do that as part of their work. Mm, yeah, that's beautiful. And it's like you said, whether it's tapping on the dog or for the dog, I mean, there's something called surrogate tapping. And so that's kind of one of the concepts of that is like you're tapping for that pet, you know, because they can't physically do it themselves. It's a beautiful way to connect. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. So I asked the people at my school what they wanted to tap on. And so there we could tap on something that they said, or we could just like whatever you want to tap on is also fine. Oh, let's no, let's let's go with what the people want. Grisha, <laughs> <Let's, laughs> I'm curious what they want to tap on. So let's see. So one thing they wanted to tap on was just like not getting around to doing the dog training that they know that is going to be helpful. So like applying the the knowledge that they have to actually, you know, practice it. So that's, that's one thing. Also being open to other perspectives or examining values. I'll have two more building bridges between parts of oneself. And oh, and the other one was to do more of the habits I'm wanting to do. Okay. And so whichever of those appeals most sounds fine to me. Okay. So Uh, Maybe we could do a couple. Let's do an example. And then maybe I can do like an actual round with you and the audience can listen in and then we can do it that way. How how does that? I'm game for any of that. Yes, that sounds good. Okay. All right. So I think I want to do the example, just like a a general example on not getting around to doing the dog training, despite having the, the work or having the education. Mm-hmm. Is that that sounds fantastic? Yeah, yeah. Okay, awesome. So right, that they what, know what to do, but they're not like making the time for it or whatever, whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there's there might be a couple of different issues in there, but again, this is just going to be kind of a practice round, and then mm-hmm. we'll do more one on one with you and I. Okay. Okay. Now, for those of the listeners who aren't familiar with what tapping is, as I said, what we do is we tap on these different acupressure points. So the first point that we're going to tap on is going to be on the side of the hand that's near the pinky. It's the soft, fleshy part of the side of the hand. And you're literally just taking three or four fingers and just tapping on that side of the hand. It could be the left hand, right hand, both hands. It doesn't matter. You can switch off and on. Sometimes I go from the right to the left and vice versa. Um, Sometimes I might even do both hands together. So just gently tapping both of those parts of the hands together. So when we tap on that part of the hand, what we're going to do is we're going to say something three times. Um, It's going to be an even though statement. So I'll say, even though I have this issue, and then I'm going to do the example with that that specific issue that you gave me, we're going to say, I deeply and completely accept myself. Now that's the blanket statement. Generally, I like to mix it up a little bit. So I don't always say I deeply and completely accept myself. I might say something a little bit different, but you're just going to follow along and say what I say. And when you say this, you can say it either out loud or to yourself, whatever is most comfortable. Now, after we go through that point and say that three times, we're going to tap gently 
on the inside of the eyebrow. And it's basically where the eyebrow, the start of the eyebrow meets the bridge of the nose. And so you're tapping again, it could be left side, right side, doesn't matter. You're just gently tapping right there. And then we're gonna go to the outside of the eye and it's right there on the bone outside the side of the eye. You don't wanna go as far out as, or as far back, I should say, as to where the temple is. So you wanna be closer to the bone of the eye. And then we're gonna tap underneath the eye, just directly under the pupil there. And then again, that's on the bone, just in the divot right there. And then we're gonna tap underneath the nose or on top of the lip or above the lip, I should say. And then we're gonna go to tapping underneath the lip, the bottom lip on the chin, but it's in the divot. So you're not like all the way down on the chin, you're just in that divot underneath the bottom lip. And then we're gonna tap on the collarbone and so um, if it's about midway between the ball of your collarbone and your shoulder, there's a soft kind of fleshy part right underneath your, your collarbone there. And you're going to tap right underneath there. And then we only have two more points. <laughs> so the next point is going to be underneath the arm. So if you lift up your arm and then you're going to tap about midway down the rib cage. <laughs> and so for women, it's about where your brow line might be. And we're just tapping gently there. You can do duck fingers there or open hand. It doesn't matter. And finally, we're going to go to the top of the head, the crown of the head. And it's just right there. We're tapping in the middle of the head. And after we do that, we're going to take a nice deep breath in. And let go. And we're just going to check in and see what we notice. All right. So I hope that wasn't too, too detailed, too overwhelming for everybody. Hopefully everybody's still with us. <laughs> so what we're going to do is I'm going to walk you through a sample round and then as we go through the points, I'm going to name the points. So I'll say inside the eye, outside the eye, underneath the eye, underneath the nose, et cetera. And so you don't have to say that out loud. I'm just guiding you. And then the words that I say afterwards, you can either, again, choose to say it out loud or not. Makes sense? Makes sense to me. All right. Awesome. I think that made sense to your audience then, if it made All sense right. to you. <laughs> yeah. And then one question that I had or that people might have is like the frequency of the tapping. Does it matter or like, is it, it fast? Does, is it slow? It doesn't matter five times, seven times, eight times, 10 times. Like it's not going to make a big difference. Okay. Yep. As long as we're stimulating those points, it's not really, yeah, it doesn't matter that much. It's like whatever works for you, you know, like for instance, I start uh, with the side of the hand and then go to the inside of the eye, but some people start with the top of the head. So kind of everybody does it a little bit differently. Some people end with wrist points and finger points. So this is one of those things that's not one size fits all. It's your size fits you best.
I like it. And I've always only ever seen it kind of with those tapping points. Is there, it seems like we could tap other places or those really specific? There are primarily in this formula that Gary Craig developed. Well, Roger Callahan, he kind of put this all together. And then the Ortner family really did more work on it. But some of the other points are on the fingertips. So like the top of the thumb, the pointer finger, the middle finger, and the the pinky finger, those are some points that we might focus on, as well as on top of the hand, there's a point called the nine gamut in between the pinky and the ring finger that we can tap on as well. So that's another point. So yeah, there are several different points, but the basic formula is are the points that I showed you and, and just discussed. Gotcha. So eyebrow, temple, under the eye, under the nose, under the lips, shoulder, yep. or collarbone, and under the arm. Yep. Cycle through. Okay, cool. And hand. <laughs> yes. Yes. Right. Cool. Thank you. All right. And what we do is we start with what we call a SUD, which is subjective unit of distress, which basically means like, what's the intensity that you feel this emotion? So for example, for the person who said they haven't been able to get around to doing the dog training, despite having the training, despite having the education, for whatever reason, they feel a little stalled or stagnated. What's the intensity that you might feel that? So uh, 10 being super intense, like I feel so bad, I, you know, and I'm just in a state of frozenness, or it's it could be a zero, you know, that actually I don't feel bad at all. <laughs> and I don't plan to get around to doing the training at all. So I'm fine. <laughs> you rate whatever it is, whatever emotion, whatever thought that is there for you and its intensity on a scale of zero to 10. Okay. So you ready to do some practice tapping, Grisha? Sure. Yep. I'm going to just tap for it totally on my, with my, you know, actual, because I don't always get around to all the training either. Right. So I'm probably like a three on the distress level about that. Oh, okay. Awesome. Yeah. Can I ask you, where in your body do you notice that, that three showing up? Kind of in my solar plexus and a little bit of my chest as well. Mm -hmm. If you were to put an emotion to those sensations, what emotion would you put there? Maybe like embarrassment or frustration. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Perfect. All right. So... Let's go ahead and tap on that then. Is that all right? Sure. All right. So go ahead and start by tapping on the side of your hand. And again, whatever hand you want to tap on, it doesn't matter, but just that soft, fleshy part. And just repeat after me. Even though I have this three embarrassment and frustration. Even though I have this three embarrassment and frustration. In my solar plexus and chest. In my solar plexus and chest. Because I have not gotten around to doing this training. Because I have not gotten around to doing this training. That I intended to do. That I intended to do. And I'm still open to peace about this. And I'm still open to peace about this. Good. Even though I have all this embarrassment and frustration. Even though I have all this embarrassment and frustration. 
In my solar plexus and chest. In my solar plexus and chest. Because I haven't gotten around to doing what I wanted to do. Because I haven't gotten around to doing what I wanted to do. This dog training. This dog training. And I still deeply and completely accept myself. And I still deeply and completely accept myself. Yeah, even though. Even though. I can't believe I haven't gotten around. I can't believe I haven't gotten around. To doing this training yet. Doing this training yet. What was the point of getting the education? What was the point of getting this education? If I'm not going to practice it. If I'm not going to practice it. And I'm still open to peace. And I'm still open to peace. And loving myself just a little bit more. And loving myself just a little bit more. Good. So now we're going to start with the inside the eyebrow, just acknowledging the issue. So starting inside the eye, all this embarrassment and frustration. All this embarrassment and frustration. Outside of the eye, this embarrassment and frustration. This embarrassment and frustration. Underneath the eye. I can't believe I haven't started doing that work. I can't believe I haven't started doing that work. Underneath the nose. It was my intention to do the work. It was my intention to do the work. And and here I am stalling. And here I am stalling. A collarbone. Here I am procrastinating. Here I am procrastinating. Underneath the arm. Finding reasons why I can't do it. Finding reasons why I can't do it. <laughs> Top of the head. <sighs> Not getting around to doing the training. Not getting around to doing the training. Back to the inside of the eyebrow. And I intended to do it. And I intended to do it. Inside the eye. And I just haven't had a chance to. I just haven't had a chance to. Underneath the eye. Sure, it takes time. It takes time. Underneath the nose, effort and energy. Effort and energy. And, and sometimes I don't have any of those. And sometimes I don't have any of those. Collarbone, or at least one of them. <laughs> <laughs> at least one of them. Underneath the arm. So for whatever reason, it's been hard to get started. So for whatever reason, it's been hard to get started the head and that's okay and that's okay inside the eye it's not okay <laughs> it's not okay <laughs> outside the eye you should have done it already you should have done it already <laughs> underneath the eye who says you should have done it who says you should have done it underneath the nose you said you should have done it <laughs> you said you should have done it <laughs> And things happen. And things happen. Collarbone. Life happens. Life happens. Underneath the arm. And that's okay. That's okay. Top of the head. I'll get to it when I get to it. I will get to it when I get to it. I'm choosing to be at peace. I'm choosing to be at peace. Around that. Around that. Good. Taking a nice deep breath in and letting go. 
and just check in and see what you notice. So what I noticed is that the kind of shame and embarrassment dropped away. And then this bigger emotion of a sense of responsibility to my dog that like I owe it to her, to both of them. But this particular one, I was thinking about doing nail trim education and I owe it to her to do this work mm. to make her life more useful. Mm-hmm. And what do you notice with the sensation that you started with in the solar plexus and chest? So the chest kind of went away and then the solar plexus, it kind of, as I realized like, oh, this is me not upholding my end of the bargain to my dog, like the sense of responsibility that made the solar plexus tighter. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. See, this is wonderful. This is why I love this work. Because a couple of right, things it's happened. a shift, not a it's yeah. Right, exactly. Like the shift that happened, that the embarrassment was able to 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 fall to the wayside, and some other emotions came to the forefront, which is that responsibility. So right, the sense of care, yeah, yeah. Like, and that's very different than shame. Like with shame, it leaves us, you know, in a space of sometimes we end up not doing the things because we feel so stuck, right? Whereas responsibility is, that's more of an active emotion, right? Like now I can take a little bit more action than staying in this space of of shame and embarrassment. Yeah. And as a dog trainer, I see that sort of shame is more of a, it's something to avoid. It's a, if I do something, it's a negative reinforcement. It's in order to avoid the feeling of shame. But this care that has arisen, it's like, oh, I want to do this for my dog. Like I feel sort of drawn to it versus driven. Mm, mm, Yep. Yep. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And thank you for that as well. So hopefully your the listeners got some value out of that and really could resonate with even just that short i mean that was really fast right <laughs> like that was maybe 5 minutes 7 minutes right and you can't get that kind of shift just from talking i think it somehow really empowers a, a different way of shifting things absolutely yep yeah yeah and yeah, and so other things people could tap on with like, like one of the things we like to do is tapping on like getting going for your day or like there's just anything like any places that you're stuck is it's tappable, I think. Yeah. And, and again, and it's just using those words. Right. So and that's the beauty of this work, you know, for me as a practitioner is I'm not doing all the heavy lifting. Right. I'm just reflecting back to you what your words are and what your experience is like. So that kind of has a couple of different, it serves a couple of different purposes, which is, A, you feel heard and validated, right? Like, and there's nothing more that that we all want is to just be heard and validated in what it is we're feeling. And it's not me telling you where you need to go, right? It's you came up with that on your own, right? As we went through this, it was, there was that conscious shift of, oh, wait a minute, that feeling is like responsibility, right? And so I 
I couldn't have told you that, or I could have, I could have cheated and been like, you know what I think is happening is you probably feel, (laughs) (laughs) but that's, that's me owning your stuff. And it's more important. And it's so much deeper for you to be able to own it and and discover it on your own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So as you were tapping, I found the urge to sort of say slightly different words, which I didn't do. Would that have been helpful? Yes. So sometimes I tell people like, as we're tapping, and if I say something that doesn't resonate with them, feel free to say something different, right? So like, again, I'm just the GPS. So if we have to recalculate and go somewhere different, I am fine with it. (laughs) So use those words that really resonate with you. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. You know, and even those little times where I'm like, oh, wait, it's actually this emotion like just feeling it in my body, like, okay, that landed, that landed. Oh, that didn't like that's information as well to be like, Oh, wait, is it? Yeah. So awesome. Nice. Thank you. Yes. So Diane wanted to know, when did you come to movement as a form of connection or when did it come to you? When I was a kid. And I think movement has always been in me as it is with many children, right? Like, so even for me working with children, every day we do a dance break. Um, And if they don't do a dance break or get to go outside and play, like, it's not a good day. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds pretty much like puppies or dogs in general or humans, right? We all need to move. Exactly. We need to, and even like with puppies, like just seeing them stretch, right? Like that's, that's how they, or shake, they get out all their stuff somatically and we tend to like keep it all in, especially as we get older, we lose that spark. And for me, fortunately, like that spark and that fire was always encouraged with and for and by my family and friends. And, and so I had been dancing for so many years, just growing up in the era of seeing hip hop as a culture bloom and blossom. And what is this breakdancing thing? And like, I want to try to do that. And I want to try that move and this move. And I also found growing up that it was harder for me to express myself verbally. So to be able to express myself through movement actually allowed me to get out emotions that I otherwise had a difficult time doing. But I will say this, as I went along in my therapy, my psychology career, I kept the two very separate. So I was dancing professionally with a hip hop dance group in D.C. And I started the year that I graduated with my doctorate and nobody really knew either side. So it's very separate lives. Very separate. Right. And I didn't I didn't even know there was a way to combine the two. It was my therapeutic way of expressing myself with the dance piece. And so I had gone along and was taking a a continuing education class or course on EMDR or eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And uh, the teacher was Dr. Jamie Marich. And they are phenomenal And oh my goodness, like our conversation was like, we were both the same people, you know, (laughs) like kindred spirits. (laughs) Yes, we both had this love of dance and, and movement and also had a love of helping people heal therapeutically. 
And she had a, a book called Dancing Mindfulness. And mm -hmm. it was like the light bulb went off for me that you can combine movement and therapy together. So I'm so grateful for that connection that I had with her. And she's actually the one who connected me with Allison Stoner with Movement Genius. And that was years later. That was like five or six years later after I initially met her. So it's, you just never know the connections that you make with people where they're going to go. That's a side note. Yeah. Follow up all the leaves, like anything yeah. that sparks a like, Ooh, this feels good. Let's nourish this. Do it. Yeah. Exactly. You never know like how, you know, the, the thing that you're going to say that will stick with somebody. Yeah. And so she really helped to plant that seed for me of, combining movement, music, and therapy together. Mm. Those are, yeah, three words that magically go together for me. Also, I, do you know Mary Lou Seawriter by chance, Moving Within? No, I don't know. I don't know so her. She's a dancer. She has the School for Body Mind Centering Somatic Movement Education Program. So my therapist recommended when my late husband died five years ago, he recommended mm. like, I need to move more. And yeah, that was my path. And mm. I'm just so glad, right? That therapy is like blending these things. And your movement genius site is amazing. There are like so many pieces in there. I, I, I'm super looking forward to digging into, yeah, it has sparked my curiosity. Yes. You know, it's just a beautiful project that essentially came out of COVID, the COVID era, and but also just this whole recognition that we are whole mind, body, soul beings. And so to just do therapy with the frontal part of the brain uh, is doing the, the rest of the body a disservice. It's doing the rest of your healing process a disservice. And not saying that for some people, traditional talk therapy might be their thing. And I love it for you. And our bodies hold so much valuable information as well. And I think it's important to acknowledge the messages that our bodies hold too. And Movement Genius has done a phenomenal job putting all of that together, especially for really for every everybody. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Right. As Bessel van der Kolk says, the, right, the body keeps the score and it's, it really yep. does. Yes. <laughs> yes. He is not kidding. Yeah. Uh, so what is your relationship with your own body now? And is that changing over time? Mm, that's an interesting and a really good question. So I'm over here in Germany right now, and I've been here for about a year and a half. And so my ability to dance in a studio has been diminished significantly. So I've been grieving and mourning the loss of dancing in some ways, especially in a group setting. However, like I still move daily. <laughs> so I still put on some music and dance and move. And it's interesting. And, and I'll get out and walk. The nature here is just, oh my goodness, it's so beautiful. Like the, the walking trails and how they preserve the spaces here. It just creates this desire within me. And I'm imagining a lot more people to just get out and move and walk. And so I've just continue to stay mindful of that as I've gotten older. 
Because, you know, that's what we all do every day. <laughs> so we just get a little bit older. And so how I can continue to be mindful of my body as I get a little older is, yeah, so if it's not dancing, it's walking, it's getting out in nature, you know, and just listening to the signs like that my body is telling me. So I might feel different sensations or pains or you know, things that might bother me. And so on those days, I might even look up a YouTube video on specific yoga for that body part, right? So it might be my back or my knee. And so I'll engage in yoga for that. So it's evolved over time, but there's always that foundation of just making sure that I am just consciously aware of what I'm, what I'm doing with my body, right? (laughs) And that even means like what I put into it, So even starting more recently, a vegetarian, sometimes vegan, (laughs) it just depends on the day. (laughs) You know, every vegan meal counts. That's what I tell myself. So I'm I'm about 95% vegan and more than before. And yeah, I think every choice counts. (laughs) Oh, I love it. You know, I was going to say I'm envious, but it's like, no, because envy keeps people from uh, <laughs> from actually like taking action so i'm actually inspired by people who can have that diet and engage in that type of care for your body but also for the world for living beings yeah so i'm going to circle it back into two more questions so you wrote your action plan book in 2017 so what would the 2017 version of you say about being stuck on maybe becoming more vegan or dancing more because action plan right is like about how to get unstuck they get unstuck yeah that's interesting that you asked this because i just had that conversation with i attended a spiritual retreat this past weekend and i met a young woman who she was saying you know she's gone to therapists and they haven't really worked um and she's really looking for the answers I mean, she's not sure where this fear and worry that she's been experiencing comes from. And I said, but the important part is you're here. So you're doing the work like you took action, you know, and I think that's what it's about is like, how can we take action when we feel stuck? Because I felt stuck here a lot. Like it's a culture shock, right? I came here from the States, leaving my husband and my dogs behind and, you know, and, and trying to find like where they do offer classes if they do. So I've traveled up to Cologne, which is an hour and a half away. And I've taken hip hop dance classes up there. So like I was determined, I said, I'm going like, and then finding out that they offer some dance classes, some Zumba dance classes. So it's not like, you know, what I would pick as my first choice, but I absolutely am loving it. (laughs) So I've been attending those classes and their yoga classes that they offer on base as well. So I think it, it is, it's always about like taking action. And even the spiritual retreat that I went on, it was just about like having conversations with people. And, and I was curious about ayahuasca and I've been doing some research and, and even some continuing education units in alternative therapeutic means such as ayahuasca, MDMA, It's really Um, taking off. Psilocybin. Yeah. Yeah. All of it. And a friend of mine here said, oh, I went to this retreat. You should go. So I I went. So again, it's like being in action by being in conversation, being in community, 
just looking things up. Like we have, most of us have access. If you're listening to the podcast, you probably have access to find something. And if not, if you can't find it, create it. I ended up creating just a dance class that I had taught for the kids here. Yeah, I think that's what my like past self would have said is just find ways when you're feeling. I mean, I think it's twofold. It's honoring and acknowledging the stuckness, right? Because we all get in those ruts and it's, you know, I've, I've definitely been in some ruts since I've been here for sure. And taking action though, still in those ruts and finding those little moments, those little bits of light where I can reach out to and say, okay, and this helps and this helps and that helps. So yeah, it's just being open, but also like being gentle and compassionate with myself. Mm-hmm. Right. And sometimes the rut is just like, it's a time of composting and, and that's okay. Like it just, we needed to go there to get here and and to figure out like, okay, now I've, you know, something that was being held or stuck, right. Or that appeared to be stuck is really just like a loop until I could figure out, oh, here's a little action I can take in this direction. And then all of a sudden it's, you know, like a sunflower bursts out of the ground. Yeah. Like even that just reminded me of, you know, I attended a spiritual community back in North Carolina when I was there. And so the minister there, like her and I are good friends. So I reached out to her when I was stuck and I was okay being stuck for a while, right? Like for a couple of weeks, months. And then I was like, okay, now it's really time for me to reach out to something. Forgotten how to get out of here. Right, right. And even if I have all the answers too, like therapeutically, psychologically, right? And I use quotes like none of us have all the answers. Right, right. We're not <laughs> meant to do this alone. Yeah. But we're not meant to do it alone. And people, you know, and I think people forget that, like, you know, even psychologists or even people who are healers, we also need that. And so, you know, and that's what I did. I reached out to her and said, I need your help. And she was like, yep, let's work together. So it's remembering in those moments that you have tools, you have resources. And if if you don't remember, it's where can I find those tools or resources? Or how can I find those tools or resources? Yeah. I was playing around with the word remember this week and realizing that it means also remember. So to, yeah. right, it's like, as opposed to say, dismembering like becoming separate and individualized like we are re-becoming members of a collective like we're remembering we belong to each other yes and can i share like that is so serendipitous that you brought that up because i journaled yesterday about the same concept because i felt like the way (laughs) that i woke up after my retreat that was the first morning where i woke up and i felt like It was something new, but something familiar. And I said, it was like, I was remembering. And I thought about that word as well. And then I thought about, it's something that I knew and something that was new. And so I found that interesting too, that it's new, but it's new. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like remembering to remember. And like, what I love doing for myself is to sort of plant these seeds of when there is a time of wisdom to say like remember to remember this like to sort of get that into my into my body dance into it or 
you know, whatever, sing, I write songs to myself to sort of like plant it for the future me, because we do forget, we go through these fallow periods, and then we come back out again. And so remembering to reach out, remembering to re remember what we K-N-E-W. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so final question, what are your dreams for yourself and your communities? So I think of freedom and liberation and peace, but I also think about evolution and growth and unstuckness. And as I'm saying these words, I'm thinking about not only for myself, but collectively, you know, as a gay Black man, you know, like Donny Hathaway has a song called Someday we'll all be free. That's a song that really resonates with me because he says, take it from me. Someday we'll all be free. And that's my dream. And I think uh, not only for myself, but for so many others who are stuck, who are trapped, not only internally, right? So within themselves, but also within a system, especially in the, the United States, like the system of oppression, the system of racism and the system of denying so many people their human rights of just being because the world would just it would be so much different if everybody were able to live in their body in their self in their in their own skin and to express whatever it is that they need to express there's so much untapped potential out there due to the system that keeps so many people down. And so those are my dreams. And, and part of my dream is to help as many people, continue to help as many people as possible in their own healing processes. Yeah. But also like to have fun while doing it. Like to-, to I, enjoy- <laughs> Right, because that's what free is, right? Is to actually get there. Right, right, right. And it's the like- Remembering. Cause yeah, cause there's a joyful playfulness like about it all and it doesn't have to be so serious. And I think, um, I found it interesting when I was talking to that young lady this past weekend and she said, you're so different as a psychologist. Like I've never met a psychologist like you, usually they're all stuffy and, and, you know, she's German. So she was like in are German and like, <laughs> you know, they're very serious. And I was like, yeah, well, I'm different, I guess. But it's like, how can we inject fun back into the healing process? And not saying like disregarding people. Right, not pain. to bypass it, right. Right, right, exactly. And it's not like one of those, what's the phrase like? Toxic um, positivity. Yeah, and like good vibes only. You know what I mean? It's not, right. it's not. It's like, how do we acknowledge the pain and the hurt and the shame and all that that other stuff, but also then shift to back to that remembering of who we at our core are, which is that, you know, that joy and that the peace and the love and all those things. Mm -hmm. What came to mind just now is this concept of like, you know, what if there was a war and nobody showed up? Like, what if there was systemic oppression and everybody just stopped showing up for it? Oh, oh, now now you're speaking it. Right. Right. Like, Nobody showed up. Nobody participated. Ooh. Right, right, right. Because there are more people who don't want to participate than there are people who do. I'll tell you that. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Thank you, Damon. Oh, you are very welcome. Thank you. My pleasure. Yeah. <sighs> Just thank you for opening this conversation. And I know all of these topics are important. And, you know, whether it's people who train dogs and are in, in contact with, with dogs on a regular basis or, you know, kids or, you know, by themselves, whatever it is. Like, I think there's just, there's so many, you know, important conversations that need to be had, but also like so much healing that everybody has to do. And we're all on this journey together. So, you know, what can we learn from each other? Right. It's like a big mobile that we're, we're all little parts of it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then at some point, we'll, we'll all remember that we don't have to be tied. Like we can shift. And yeah, it's like how we do one thing is how we do everything. Like how we do dog training, right? The world I do is like how to, how to get people to stop exerting pressure and power over their animals and how to live in community, how to collaborate, like recognizing that they are beings with needs. We are beings with needs. Needs are never in conflict, but strategies are. And so mm. getting people to examine that, like part of my process of using these fresh words is to examine all of those places in which I'm pushing against versus enabling and so anytime I'm tempted to use the word not or but or or whatever mm -hmm. that's like in this, it just makes it real. It makes this system of oppression real. And it's not. It's just something we all seem to be believing. And it doesn't have to be this way. And all of the hurt and the pain and the suffering that has been caused through this sort of collective process, because we have learned and, and it doesn't have to be be this way and so anything that's learned can be shifted mm -hmm. yep it's not essential to our core way of relating it's just people are stuck and like i might say something that then triggers you and then you're stuck and you trigger me and then like whoa, we go off into that land of hurting uh -huh. each other right but it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be that way no right so no, there's so much work to stop saying the words that are hurtful, right? That's my work. You know, I've seen the collective consciousness shift, you know, and I think COVID really made that process so much quicker, but I've definitely seen the shift like in how people use words and how people approach others. Like there's definitely a, a collective consciousness shift that I don't know if I have seen it to this extent beforehand. So that's, that's the thing that is promising to me, you know, and even talking to these kids, it's like, oh my goodness, y'all get it. Y'all get it. So it's, it, it is hopeful. And it, like you said, it just starts with ourselves, like changing our languaging, changing how we approach these things. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. We all want to belong. We all want to feel safe. We all That's want it. lives that are fast, you know, interesting to us. Those three things. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for thank the work you do. Oh, ditto. Thank you. Yeah. I love, you know, that you're doing this for your community. It's just such like a different take on looking at, 
mental health, but just also the interconnectedness of us all. Like it's really beautiful, the work that you're doing. So thank you. Mm. Thanks, Damon. All right. Take care okay. and talk okay. soon. Bye-bye. Bye. The lesson is love. The lesson is la 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 love. The lesson is love. This work of universal love takes all of us. So if you think this podcast might inspire someone you know, please share it with them. The Lesson is Love is a project of the Grisha Stewart Academy and Empowered Animals, produced by the thoughtful Diane Redding and me, Grisha Stewart. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening to it, and we have extra podcast perks at grishastewart.com love. Please check out my academy to learn more about thriving in community with dogs. May you be free from suffering. May you know you belong. May you live a life of meaning and purpose. And with every choice, may you turn toward love. The lesson is la 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 love. The lesson is love.